Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. We've got another exciting edition for you. I'm your New Jersey kid, Joshi, and still your champion, alongside my tag team partner, the rogue of wrestling, Mr. Michael Newman. Fourth time's the charm. I blame the typhoon. Yeah. <laughs> I blame Typhoon Higibis, which is actually yeah, the name. I didn't just make that up <laughs> yeah i have it i have it up here because yeah. we were we were literally just discussing the difference between a typhoon and a hurricane and it says um a hurricane is a gale force tropical cyclone that occurs in the atlantic ocean or the northeastern pacific a typhoon mm. occurs in the northwestern pacific and a tropical cyclone occurs in the south pacific or indian ocean so in case any of you were curious about storm cloud classifications now you know <laughs> And we, we, we are not only, we don't always just talk about wrestling, we educate you. Yes, yes, we are uh, prolific educators of man. <laughs> Teaching you about storms. <laughs> <laughs> but does it compare to the storm of shit that is happening in WWE right now? <laughs> no. What, what is worse, I... Typhoon Higibis or WWE's creative? WWE's creative. Like, like just getting rid of, uh, oh my gosh, yeah, he's already gone. Uh, Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff, yeah, because that's a Bruce I, Pritchard's I really now in right. Know, I really want to know the behind the scenes of this because he literally moved to Connecticut. Yeah. Like, and granted, it's not like moving. He doesn't have like young kids anymore. All of his kids are grown and out of the house, but still, him and his wife moved from Wyoming to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, he's out. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume going into this, he probably thought this was going to be like a multi year sort of a thing. But, uh, yeah. It uh, it didn't uh, work out that way. This I just is only yeah, like a God. couple of months, if that. I mean, he truly didn't take over SmackDown until it started on Fox. Mm-hmm. So he's he's been there, yeah, for I think four months total, and then just within the past month has truly been in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I guess he must have rubbed somebody the wrong way. It had to have been because it like. They couldn't have fired him for the, what did they lose from week one to week two? Like a million viewers or something like that? Like, you can't fire someone over that. You, yeah, yeah. I you mean, anyway, loaded yeah, that, no that first show. If you thought you were going to keep four million viewers, and then by that logic too, Bruce Pitchard should be fired because I think they just lost another million. Right. Yeah, so I doubt it's that. And especially yeah. just like, you know, from how they've been declining over the last couple of years, they would have to literally just fire everybody that they have in charge of the show if that were the standard so i wonder what the cutoff is how many viewers before you get fired <laughs> how many viewers do you have to lose to get fired yeah yeah uh but yeah i mean i think it really just comes down to if you piss off vince mcmahon then you're gone yeah or or somebody else that like vince values the opinion of more than you 
So he must have either pissed off Vince or somebody that Vince values more than him. But, you know, who's to say? I mean, I feel like yeah. I heard rumors that, like, he just wasn't gelling. With Which uh, I can totally see. He's been out of the business a really long time. And he jumped back into... <clears throat> perfect comparison. He jumped back into the big pool in mm-hmm. WWE. Whereas you have someone like Tony Schiavone, who... Um, started with MLW first, like started on the small scale, mm-hmm. like dipping his toes in the water, and now got the AEW job. Like I don't think Tony would be mm-hmm. as good if he got hired straight out of like retirement, so to speak. Even though he was he was working elsewhere, um, like right into AEW. Right, totally. It's like it, even though it's not in ring position, there's something I feel like there's a bit of like quote unquote ring rust. Yeah, in a way, well, so, like especially for an announcer, right? Knowledge of the product. Yeah, and the people. So at least like Tony has a background on MJF because he was working with MLW first. Mm -hmm. So then he can he can see, oh, this is the kind of wrestler that that is around now. And Mm -hmm. then he and like MJF is the only person I know that came from MLW, but I'm sure there's more that went over to AEW. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's a very good point actually, as far as like a big difference between those two guys, and probably part of why Tony Schiavone's doing so well. At least it seems into AEW and why Bischoff is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Corey and I tweeted a couple... Well, Corey really did the tweeting, but uh, mm-hmm. tweeted a couple of pictures of... At some points, like, Tony's so relaxed in that position, he's literally lounging back in his chair while, <laughs> while he's commentating. <laughs> like, they have those desk chairs. Like, he was literally, like... <laughs> <laughs> and so Tony, like, tweeted the uh, he, his account, and then his co-host, Conrad Thompson, he's like, this slapdick just lounging back while he's announcing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, he's doing well, and he deserves to lounge back right now, so. Mm-hmm. Doing that's better it. than anyone in WWE. <laughs> that's for damn sure, dude. Oh, except for NXT, sorry. I I do have true, to say. True. Actually, ooh, now that's been a, a couple weeks. <laughs> I was going to say, who is your favorite, like, announce, like, team? Like, because obviously we can mm-hmm. go through and pick, like, Tony from AEW or... Right. Moro from NXT like overall when you're watching a show who who gets you the most uh it's the new Japan team and so specifically it would be it's a uh, Chris Kelly and um oh my god why am I blanking on the British guy's name because there's there's two color commentators guys there the, oh the, oh there's Gino Gambino who's the Australian guy and he's all right like he provides some stuff is it Chris Charlton yes Chris Charlton thank you yeah yeah. He he's uh, good friends with the guys. Uh, the first wrestling podcast I li- ever listened to was a uh, live audio wrestling, mm-hmm. and he he was good friends with those guys. Okay, so that's how I first heard about him. And he was like, all he was doing was like writing books about like the history of New Japan and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. he lives he he lives in Japan and teaches uh, English. Yep. And to uh, the Japanese students, and so he's just been writing books and stuff. And then they picked him up as like an announcer. <laughs> Yeah, and, and he he, do- he does a good job. Yeah, like you know, not only just within the match helping to uh, describe kind of like character motivations, but then also too, I think like in between because there's there's some things that are occasionally like an important little cultural gap between Japan and America, and I think he does a very good job of filling in that gap. Mm. And then you know, uh, Chris Kelly is just like awesome as far as like dissecting the actual match and what's happening in the ring. Oh God! Like, like, but he's he's up there with like Jr. and stuff of just like guys who have been doing it for so long. Like, it's just mm-hmm. natural to them. 
True. Yeah, it's just second nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to say for that, I've got to say NXT between Moro and Nigel, and then Beth Phoenix. I like, think that's that's the only because like if Beth weren't there, NXT would actually be really. I think I might actually say NXT because Moro and Nigel are great, but Beth sucks. Yeah. I think she's getting better. I think she's advancing a lot more than most new people do. Well, it's hard to have, have gotten worse than where she started. So yes, she is advancing. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like she's better than um, who? I'm trying to think of a new person that was like just bad and never improved. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I mean, like, think of any. I feel like Renee was never really that good, but she also was just I think miscast in that role completely. Oh, yeah. Well, we've we hit we spent like a whole twenty minutes on that in the one podcast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. she is much better as the backstage interviewer. Like, where they have her now yeah. is perfect. But yeah, it's it's more disappointing when Beth is so bad at this because I feel like she should be able to be better. Because like, Morrow and Nigel like do a pretty good job, I think, of like setting up things for her to talk about. Like talking about uh, I'm, this isn't an actual example. I'm just gonna make up one that mm-hmm. would be similar. But like, say there's a Shayna Baszler versus Dakota Kai match. And Shayna Baszler's, like, beating down on Dakota Kai, the smaller opponent. And then they could be like, hey, Beth, you know, when you were a women's competitor trying to vie for the championship and whatnot, you were often the bigger woman in a battle. You know, what does it take to, you know, be able to actually, like, put away a smaller opponent? Like, what's the most important thing you need to focus on? Like, something like that to try and relate what's happening in the ring to her experience so that she could talk about it. And then she'll just be like, yeah, you know, it's important to win the match. (laughs) <laughs> it's like what the fuck is this like <laughs> can we just well, get a cardboard stand-in as as much as i love Britt baker that that's how she was when they had her as a guest commentator on AEW. yeah <laughs> somehow worse though i feel like yeah some people are just not meant for commentary yeah like <laughs> some snl did this great <laughs> sketch when um oh fuck what's his name uh the black british actor who the people want to be james bond oh um idris elba yeah (laughs) when he was hosting they they did a skit where he was a uh english footballer and they had him he was injured so they were like oh and like so-and-so is about to join us on commentary and uh they just have him as like the dumb jock where he's just they're just like if you were the manager like who would you put out there well, I'm not the manager. <laughs> like, that <was> just... <laughs> right. yeah, that's that's Beth Phoenix. <laughs> and he's like, they're like, like, what? What's this guy's best quality? Well, his wife. She's super hot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, Beth Phoenix. If you were trapped in this submission hold, how would you try to escape? Uh, I would. I would get out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Beth. <laughs> like, what would you do? He's like, score a goal. I score the goal. You know, win the game. Win the match. Yeah, it's oh, it's awful. She, like, I like Beth Phoenix. She seems like a really nice woman. She was a good wrestler, but she's a bad commentator. <laughs> oh man. But right. yes, but thankfully there are much better things happening in NXT. Like we got the returns of Dakota Kai and uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Mm-hmm. That was really solid. I mean, like Tommaso Ciampa is still looking like an absolute badass. And actually almost maybe even looks even more badass. And he came back like, what is this? Is like four or five months before his like expected return date? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was supposed to be out a year. Yeah, I feel like it was supposed to be a really long time. Like maybe even over a year. And now that he's back as a babyface, 
I'm wondering, do you think a DIY reunites at some point? Oh, absolutely. DIY in NXT is the, um, like, DX of the main roster. Mm. You can always go back to them just for, like, those one-offs and things like that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, either it's, like, a one-off or, I mean, hell, I'm even thinking, like, how cool would it be to do, like, a big, um, actually, I'm trying to think, when, when did they do War Games? Did they do that already this year? No, that that'll be that's the November NXT that's coming up. Okay, I I absolutely think I think the War Games match is going to be all of uh, undisputed era's titles versus mm-hmm. another team. Yeah, that would be cool, right? Because they've got all the titles at the perfect time to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and also undisputed era has been part of every War Games match, right? Like yes. in, in some form or fashion, I think. Yeah, yeah, because undisputed era was I think like. Bobby Fish like joined them, right? Because like, I think what were some of them in there before him or Roderick? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's right. Yeah, because the three of them were in there, and Roderick Strong was with another team, even yes, in a War Games match against them. So he was even still in the same match. <laughs> How crazy <laughs> is that? That is crazy. So I think I think Roddy's, I think Roddy only came in for the second one though. So I think the mm-hmm. first one might have been just the original Undisputed Era. I think yeah. Roderick was last year's. Yes, I think you're right. Okay, let's let's get. I'll look at. It, I'll I need to figure this out. So I'll look it up as we talk. But yeah, that'd be cool. Cause like, yeah, if, if they were to do it, like, I think it'd be cool just to do straight four on four this time. Like, exactly. Yeah, just yeah, have the four of undisputed era, and then probably the four to go against them. I would say reunited DIY. So you've got Gargano and Champa. Um, probably like Velveteen Dream, and then maybe like Finn Balor or, um. Or somebody else uh to like from champa in there maybe wait i, I think or, to, i think champa and gargano as kind of like the tag team guys oh sorry yeah so yeah i think you'd have uh, them. Yeah, balor and balor and then i think fourth. velveteen dream maybe yeah because he's been feuding with roderick so then you have yeah you have roderick's counterpart is velveteen mm-hmm. um bobby fish and kyle o'reilly's counterpart is diy yep and then balor is, is adam cole's, cole's counterpart, counterpart. There you go. That'd be a hell of a War Games um, match. So I did mix up years. So the first War Games was the one you were thinking of with Undisputed Era defeating the Authors of Pain made up of Aquaman, Razor, mm-hmm. and Roderick. And then also the third team was Sanity. Okay. Yeah. Um, Alexander Wolf, Eric Young, Killian Dane. Mm-hmm. The following year, it was... Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and the War Raiders defeated the Undistributed Era made up of the all four. That's right. Adam Cole, yep. Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. Yes. Now I remember that. Yep. Yeah, with Pete Dunn especially. Yep. Yeah. They did all sorts of shit with so, that. So, you are correct that so far, every member of Undisputed Era has competed in every single War Games. There we go. Then I guess the tradition <laughs> must continue. And yeah, that, that'd be a hell of a War Games match. I, I feel like even after Undisputed Era goes laterally to the main roster <laughs> i'm not gonna say up <laughs> anymore <laughs> um yeah that they should just return to nxt for the war games every year no matter what <laughs> actually that'd be that'd be kind of cool if they did i don't know i mean it'd be i guess it'd be even cooler like a, well i don't know maybe maybe it would kill the gimmick if they had won every year but they, i guess they didn't win last year so they already can't win every year 
for war games yeah. because that wouldn't that be an interesting gimmick if they were just the guys that you could just never beat in war games <laughs> i just think i just think it'd be funny if like even if it's like the only way you could squeeze them is they're the announcers and like the <laughs> uh bell ringer or something like that that they're always involved in the war games match there you go one of them's the referee one of them's the timekeeper <laughs> like you always they're always there <laughs> The ring crew that sets up the actual cage. <laughs> just whatever situation you have it there, just don't put like Roderick Strong in commentary because I bet I think he'd probably be another Beth Phoenix who's just like, yeah, you know, you gotta hit the backbreaker, and then you win the match. What are you gonna do? Win the match? Yeah, after backbreaker, backbreaker, then pin. <laughs> yeah. Are there other moves in pro wrestling? <laughs> what What are these other moves that you speak what are, of? What are these other moves? They go against my religion. I'm the messiah of the backbreaker. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ooh. The last, I think, important point out at NXT, because we've already talked about, like, a disputed era and kind of what they're doing at this point. Um, Damian mm. Priest is making his mark in NXT. What is your... Yes, he is. What is your... Because th- you've seen him quite a deal as Punishment Martinez back in ROH. Yeah, we saw him... Re- remember, we even reviewed his debut in the um uh, what's that tournament that ring of honor does for like the new guys oh i'm blanking on the name yeah i'm totally blanking but uh uh but yeah, yeah. <laughs> blanking on the name too it, but yes i know what you're talking about well but we uh we said then we're like we can see this guy going places just because mm-hmm. of his size and he moves so well so yeah top prospect tournament top prospect tournament that's right i was i, was, I yeah. wanted to say new prospect but i knew that was wrong yeah yeah yeah, and so I mean, I'm he's he's just living up to his I think potential finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's still very early within NXT, but what do you think of him in NXT compared to ROH? Like, do you think this is going to be a good spot for him to kind of blossom? Absolutely. I I was afraid when he signed with WWE that they were going to keep him down in the performance center and go straight to the main roster because mm-hmm. of his size. Yep. But um, having him down in NXT is perfect because you work out the crap like they're trying to do the all the weird nicknames with him and stuff like that and i think nxt is a good place to like try all that and then when you realize that it's not quite working you can change it around yeah yeah i mean i guess it's it's probably a little bit less than it used to be because now it's live tv but still comparatively like there is still that feel of like it being the minor leagues in a way yes so yeah there's i guess mm-hmm. more of that time to work out the kinks before if they want to move them over to raw or smackdown which yeah he's he's a guy size wise that i'm sure vince will want to get his hands on oh yeah and look wise too i feel like he kind of fits like i feel like he could you know he could do the Kane role better than baron corbin is Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's very like i i don't know how people are going to take to this but he's very roman reigns-esque in terms of his physique mm. yeah i mean yeah he's got the hair and similar size mm-hmm his face is not nearly as good looking though. So. No, so he's definitely the monster. Yeah. But in terms of like just that, the good physique is basically what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Although, uh, how do you think he's going to be comparing to um, guys like Shorty G? Big plans for guys like Shorty G. <laughs> we just say how stupid it is that you have the what's her name? Is it Caruso? the interviewer uh yeah charlie caruso i think her name is that like came in and interviewed him and was like what's it like being short and it's like bitch you're like a foot shorter than me (laughs) like 
But she's a girl. Girls are supposed to be short, Joe. <laughs> Boys aren't supposed to be Did short. Did Erin Andrews tweeted out about how she had to stand without her heels and, like, spread her legs a little bit to make her, like, not as tall as the New Day when she was interviewing them for the Fox <laughs> Oh my TV. gosh, really? <laughs> she was like, this is crazy. <laughs> and people were like, yep, welcome to WWE. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> You're a real sideline reporter in the NFL. Welcome to the WWE. <laughs> Where everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> and we, we can't let you be taller than our <laughs> wrestlers. No, although it's like, you know what? Like, why wouldn't they just let her be taller than him? If his thing is supposed to be that he's shorty G, like, shouldn't he be the one who's, like, crouching down beneath everybody? Yeah. No, but instead they have him at his legit height, which isn't that much shorter than, like, other wrestlers you have on the roster. Yeah, like, yeah especially this modern like roster is a lot shorter than it used to be. He's taller than Rey Mysterio. He's taller than Drew Gulak. Like, Yeah. <laughs> but I, the most uh, egregious thing, really, I think, is just the way this whole thing was worded. Is like, you know, so he goes off and he's like, all right, well, people have been calling me Shorty Gable, wada wada. You know, they try to make fun of me, but you can't make fun of me because... I don't care that I'm short. And then this is the thing that just, like, I couldn't believe that he said this. He said, being short is what makes me who I am. And I'm like, being a fucking Olympian doesn't make you who you are, you asshole. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, call him Olympian G. I don't care. Like, don't call him Shorty G and say that's his entire identity. Like, oh my god. <laughs> And like, <laughs> Although, you know what? I, like, I almost that hope like, that he takes us to the, the most asshole extreme and be like, next week, he's like, let's shorten my name even more. Let's just call me G. <laughs> it's as short as possible. Uh. Sorry, what were you going to say before I cut you off? <laughs> like, I don't sit there and say that, like, other Olympic medals are, like, not as worth as more much as other ones. But, like... He won it in wrestling, which is a really fucking hard sport to win it in. Yeah, like, and... You have to outpower, like, another person one-on-one. Mm -hmm. Like, that's incredibly athletic and hard to do. And also, as, like, when it pertains to pro wrestling, there is no other thing that could be more pertinent as a, like, milestone to show how, like, legit you are than being an actual Olympian yeah. wrestler. Like... Olympic medals and UFC champion, or M let's just say MMA champions, right? right? Like, yeah, or another it. fighting. Like, right. you were exactly. Like, I could understand <laughs> if he didn't want to mention that he was Olympian because he was like an Olympic runner or an Olympic javelin thrower, like something that didn't relate to wrestling. But when you're a fucking Olympic yeah. wrestler, why the fuck is that not <laughs> the most central part of your identity as a wrestler? <laughs> but no, being short, being short is his uh, central identity. God damn it. And he's not, like, he's not even that short. Like, if it was Marco Stunt who was doing this gimmick, then, like, it would still be yes. bad, but it would at least kind of make sense. Yes. And, great transition mm -hmm. here. Marco Stunt, this week on AEW, loved what they did with him. Yeah, that was a good creative use of that character. You know, Pentagon, like, fucking with him right. for his height, he's and, like, thus, it took so long for them to win because he was fucking with him for so long. Yeah. And it was, it was a great, uh, wait, like, cause you can't, um, like, I'm not saying that, um, Marco Stunt can't be a wrestler, but 
I'm I'm a little bit in the Jim Cornette camp of like you can't have him go out there and go one on one with someone like Pentagon and think it's even, right? right? Like logically you can't. And so having Pentagon sitting there making fun of him and stuff like that is perfect. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of times it was when Pentagon was, like, making fun of him and stuff that Marco got the upper hand on him. So it was great logical story. Exactly. Time. You know, because for a guy like that, right, like, in a straight fight, there's no way he's going to be able to beat anybody on that roster. But if they're going to no. be, you know, idiots and completely underestimate him to the point where they're not even taking him seriously at all, then he can take that opportunity to get the move on him. Yeah. And he didn't do any, like, to, like that crazy of moves on to like someone like pentagon and stuff a lot of times it was like he would get pentagon like down a little bit and then it was jungle boy who isn't the biggest person either but is still bigger and it makes more mm-hmm. logical sense that he would be able to like lift pentagon up or something right, like exactly that. yeah because like jungle boy yeah. and ray are, like or ray phoenix are pretty close to the same size mm-hmm. exactly so yeah it was yeah it was like and a nice so, like two guys that are equal and then two guys that are completely opposite of equal mm-hmm. big disparity and yeah, it was, it was a fun match. Oh, here's a good mm-hmm. question for you. Uh, was the part where Pentagon and Phoenix pretended to walk out before the match started, was that on TV? Um, Not that I can remember. No. Oh, dude, it was so great. So, like, uh, this is what started the whole, like, Pentagon making fun of uh, Marco's height and stuff. Was, like, they were like, where's Luchasaurus? Because, mm-hmm. like, they hadn't announced to the crowd that he got injured or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, people just knew from, like, the internet or something like that in the crowd that he wasn't right. going to be competing and so the lucha brothers come out and they're like we're luchasaurus and they see marco and then they're just, they're just like we're not gonna fight him <laughs> like he's just a child like and they started just like insulting marco and it's so great it got the crowd was, really yeah, pumped i up. think that was during the commercial maybe okay because yeah i feel like if i remember it was like they um, were having the, the entrances they went to commercial and then like when they came back they pretty much started the match ah uh, okay so yeah it was right in that time it was like uh ray and uh pentagon didn't even like get in the ring basically that's awesome um so just to help for yeah because then yeah. it's like right like these are people that are actually supposed to be wrestling a match so then that's a normal reaction to have is like i'm not gonna beat up this little kid yeah, yeah we we were expecting like they were coming off as we were expecting real mm-hmm. competition we were expecting luchasaurus this tall like what is he like seven yeah, foot he's, or he's something gigantic. like that like yeah, yeah. and actually Further to your point, one of the things I love about AEW, the small detail, is the, right, that being ready for competition thing. Because, like, in the first match of the night, SoCal and Censor are supposed to go out there with against best friends. Uh, You know, Lucha Brothers attack Mm -hmm. them, and then it's left to Scorpio Sky to step in, but he's not ready. So then they have to, you know, he has to put on the tape right there as he's going in and everything. Like, I really like that. And that puts question is like, is he mentally prepared right, for you know, this? Is he mentally like, or even physically prepared too, right? Because there's all the preparation that goes yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, usually the guys have to stretch and stuff before yep. they go in the ring. So, so yeah. But I think they told that a great story mm-hmm. in the match um, that it was a slow start for SoCal. So, like, it was uh, him getting, like, into the match and stuff like that and ended with a great finish of, like, them finally yep. getting the win. Yeah, and, like, yeah, the booking of itself was too good. It was really good because the best friends were trying to, like, hammer on Kazarian, who was already hurt, you know, trying to go quickly yeah. and try to finish the match before Scorpio Sky could get in. But then eventually, of course, he did, gets the hot tag, and then, yeah, like you said, finishes out a strong match. And it, it, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say that because I'm so, like, an anti-SCU guy. But, like, they did a good job. So, mm-hmm. kudos to them. 
And I think it's going to tell a good story. They could tell a really good story with SEU now. It could be, is Christopher Daniels up to this challenge? Like, he was taken out. Mm -hmm. Like, and, uh, like, is there going to be, like, uh, dissension in the group now of who who did the work of getting Mm. the titles, Mm -hmm. if they do, or, like, getting as far as they can in the tournament, stuff like that. True. Because, yeah, I feel like the, the tournament finals are going to end up being uh socal versus lucha brothers because uh at this point the semifinals have been set up we got lucha brothers versus private party next week and or i assume these are both next week uh, and then socal and sensor versus dark order i think it'll pre- how many weeks until full, full gear deal? is november 9th i want to say so they might space those two matches out it's possible but i feel like no matter how they end up putting it, I feel like probably yeah. the finals are Lucha Bros versus SoCal Uncensored. Just based on, like, what teams are there, and then also the fact that, like, Lucha Bros attacked SoCal Uncensored mm-hmm. beforehand, so this would be the opportunity then for them to try and get back at the Lucha Bros. Yeah, interested to see what they do, because they have this Wednesday, and then they have two more Wednesdays mm-hmm. before Full Gear. So maybe they do match, match, and then have like a final showdown between the two finalists on that november yeah. 6th show yeah, something to help build the tension and then yeah or they just fully do it on tv but or that <laughs> although I, I feel like they did say that they're uh saving the tournament finals for the tournament or for full gear right I'm, i okay. might be wrong on that but i feel like they might have mentioned that at some point um but speaking of commercial breaks mm-hmm. and using them well with AEW, uh, one thing I did, so uh, uh, you and I were discussing before we went uh, started recording, was being there live, it's hard to tell when it's cur- a commercial break mm-hmm. or not. And I said for a casual fan, I don't think it makes a huge difference. But I think for um, someone like me who's trying to figure out like what mm-hmm. they're doing when, it was just a little difficult. So not a huge criticism. Yeah. But I did hear that um, the promo that Moxley cut um, before his match, uh, his tag team match with um, mm-hmm. Pac and against Omega and uh, I'm blanking yeah, on Paige. names this morning. Page, <laughs> um, he cut this awesome promo about being back in Philadelphia and stuff like that. So that's why a couple of people said like when they came back from break, like this the crowd was like fired up cheering for Moxley, and it it put, came off really well on TV. Yeah, I like. Yeah, all four of those guys came off really well. That match came off well. Moxley's promo, like, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do. Because I, especially with Moxley's character, I feel like he is so embracing the tweener idea. Like, he is really Mm -hmm. neither face nor heel. Like, he is just his own guy. (laughs) Well, he's he's very much the Stone Cold Steve Austin of Mm -hmm. AEW. Just, it's not that he's going, doing stuff to be healer face he's just doing stuff for his own good right like he's he's just motivated by his own goals yeah and so whether the crowd cheers that or not it, it right. doesn't yeah. make sometimes it sometimes they'll cheer it sometimes they won't and he doesn't really care either way you know and hell he doesn't even care mm-hmm. if he wins the match technically he just he just wants to get back at the people he wants to get back at you know as evidence in here which yeah. is an excellently booked match but you know towards the end yeah can we talk about the logic yes, of that booking of it comes down to Ambrose. <laughs> well, man, I really got to stop saying Moxley and Omega about to come at each other with the barbed wire bat and the barbed wire broom, and uh, Pac stops Moxley from mm-hmm. using his weapon, 
And so Moxley goes, well, <laughs> fuck you, and uh, does the whatever he's calling yeah, it the, now. The, the, the not dirty deeds. The dirty deeds. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> um, the match en- ends because then Paige and Omega can do their finishing moves on Pac. And it worked out for everybody. Um, it makes sense of why Pac was able to get pinned mm-hmm. then, which was his first pin in AEW. But it was like understandable. like His partner turned on him, and then he was hit with two yep. other finishing moves. So it took three finishing moves to put Pac down. And then you had um, uh, now a match set up for Pac yep. and Moxley. And then you also had the understanding of like, Pac didn't want to get disqualified. He wanted to win that yeah, match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for him, it, it mattered more to win the match because, at least in AEW, the wins matter. Yes, and he's been complaining about how he doesn't feel like his wins are being like counted mm-hmm. or whatever. So he's gonna want to get. He's gonna want to rank up his wins to be able to like tell people like, mm-hmm. "Fuck off! I yeah, deserve absolutely. this." Absolutely. And uh, oh my gosh, I love to. So like one of the things that I love about the way this was booked is. Yeah, Moxley turned on Pac for his own reasons and whatnot, but also, on Pac's side, like, Pac is the bastard. Like, he is a really unlikable, kind of, like, antisocial, angry guy, who I think it makes sense for his mm-hmm. part of his character is that he just can't get along with people. So, like, I think this is probably, hopefully, going to be a recurring thing that, like, in the future, if he has to try and get a tag team partner to try and deal with two people, he's going to have a lot of trouble because he's just not a guy that is easy to work with. You know, so then, like, the fact that Moxley turned on him, too, I think makes sense for him. Because, you know, maybe this will be a pattern, maybe not. But I could definitely see a guy like Pac. Because they keep the records separate for singles versus tag and stuff like that. Maybe Pac will have an mm-hmm. amazing singles record and a shit tag record. You know? Because whenever <laughs> he has to work with people, it just doesn't work. And I think that could actually, like, really feed into his character in an interesting way. Because then he could even come at it and say, like, well, tag stats shouldn't matter. Especially not when factoring into singles matches. Like, because I don't care about getting a tag title. Like, I just want the singles titles. So, tag losses shouldn't matter. Or something like that, you know? Like, attacking the system. And blaming it unfairly for why he's not the top contender. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, and it, I mean, it, like you said, it could tell for great storylines mm-hmm. for tag matches yeah and i think it also it's one of those things it, it gives him a nice i like for characters to have appropriate weaknesses and so for a guy like kenny omega his weakness is that he gets like overly invested in something like he commits himself too hard to a move and then will like crash and burn like page is still kind of young and inexperienced moxley is too chaotic so he can't really focus on getting his goals done because he's just too angry and then Pac is a fucking asshole like he can't work with people. So I like for people to have, like, appropriate weaknesses. So that then their characters can be, like, countered and stuff. You know, it's not like WWE where they try to create, like, a weird monolith character that has no weaknesses like Roman Reigns. Or John Cena, you know? <laughs> He's invincible. Like, yeah, just to deviate for literally half a second that we can get back onto this. Like, it would have helped, I think, so much if they would have been able to, like, exploit Cena's, like overly too goody shoesness like there there's a way they could have turned his own characteristics against him and not had the era of just cena wins lol like Mm -hmm. but anyway coming back into uh aew because i i even though it's been brief i love the fact that jericho is undefeated in aew 
he really feels like the champion. Yeah. The champion. Yeah. I should say. And, uh, yeah, what did you think? Because you were live for this show and whatnot. What did you think of the first title defense? I thought it was great. Um, both Darby and Chris got mm-hmm. great reactions. And uh, they told a good story in the ring, which was Darby was the adventurous, like, young, high-flying guy. Chris was more of the ground-and-pound mm-hmm. older veteran. And Chris had to resort to some crazy things <clears throat> in order to get the win over on him by taping his hands together. But that didn't even stop uh, Darby completely. Yeah, I so. love that. Yeah, that was another great stroke of <clears throat> excellent booking, right? Because it was, like, genius for Jericho to tape up Darby's hands. But then it's, like, amazingly yeah. impressive for Darby to still be able to do all those moves with his hands tied up and damn near win the yeah. match. Yeah, got it. he got up to yeah. the top rope. <laughs> and then, uh, you yeah, know, of course, Hagar threw him off there at the end for the, the finish, but... But shit, mm-hmm. like, he did get up there by himself and did Great get himself finish. before it got countered, right? The Like, a first time, and then he got countered the second time. Yeah. Like, very impressive stuff. Like, that, that is how you get a guy over in a loss. Because I don't think Darby Allen was hurt at all by this loss. Oh, no, not at mm-hmm. all. He was super over. And, it, you know, I think it also helps get Jericho over, too. You know, just continuing to be the wily veteran that you know we as the crowd at some point we do want to see somebody overcome him and take the title and uh this just helps f- uh, fuel that fire i think mm-hmm. i'm hoping too, like to continue to fuel the kind of like fires and whatnot i hope that like his celebrations continue with the uh the bubbly after retaining the titles and maybe yes. it'll get like even more ostentatious over time like <laughs> the celebrations get longer and more elaborate or something yeah, I I was I was curious if that made it on TV, and then uh, yeah, you confirmed that it did because that was really great. Them all coming down, the inner circle came down with bottles of yes, the bubble. I love that. Like yeah, you know, there was the continuing story like throughout the show of like you know Jericho, like complimenting and like saying how impressed he was by his inner circle teammates, and then of course culminating at the end when they all come out to celebrate his title retention. It yeah, it feels like this group is a lot more of a group than a lot of other groups that just kind of get thrown together for the purposes of, like, well, we have to have a group of guys. Well, because they're doing more than just having, like, matches together. Like, they're actually... Right. Um, like, doing other things, like cutting promos together and having that celebration together. And there's, like... I, I don't think they've, like, expressly said this, but I feel like there's also a really cool undercurrent to the reason why this group is together... Which is that, like, so with, like, the Elite being a group of people that are very acknowledged to be together, and they obviously have a lot of sway backstage in the company by being the executive vice presidents, I feel like the Inner Circle is a group that is specifically targeting that. Like, they're saying, we want to be a group that has influence in this company because we want to counter the influence that the Elite is going to have. Yeah. So, I'll be excited to see where it goes. But I think the inner circle and AEW have been off to a good start, and the uh, the ratings are reflecting that. Yeah, I mean everyone's losing viewers all over, but that's also due to like mm-hmm. baseball and. Stuff Although like comparatively, that, so. from what I've seen, it sounds like AEW is losing people far less. Like obviously there was the drop yes. off from week one to two, but it seems like from week two to three, it's been like extremely consistent. Yes, and they've been maintaining their 18 to 49 yeah. demo. 
Like, like they might lose a little bit, but they're still it's still mm-hmm. higher than NXT. Yeah. Poor NXT. I feel like I feel like unfortunately NXT in the long run, like looking at this maybe in like a year or two, depending on how things go, like that the, NXT will probably be the most unfortunate casualty of this whole thing. Because I feel like NXT mm-hmm. was doing so well as it was, and then now it's like forced to change so much to try and adapt to what AEW is doing. That uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, I it'll be interesting to see how well it adapts to all the changes. Because like, so one of the yeah. things that struck me a little bit odd. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what your thought on this is. But to you, does it feel like NXT sometimes is almost structured in a way that like the most important stuff happens in like the first hour or like culminating around the nine o'clock, like at that first hour rather than the second hour. Cause to me, it feels like the second hour is yeah. always just like, Oh, well this is just going to be like another match that people will like to see. Cause it was like the Walter versus Kushida stuff. And then now it's Pete Dunn versus Damian priest versus like, you know, the undisputed era storyline, which I would argue is probably the most important storyline, right? That's like pushed up earlier in the show. Yes, uh, I think I think they're just trying to pull in like a retention, I guess. Yeah. So, like, do you think is it just like they're assuming that more people will turn off their TVs sooner? So, like, let's put the more important shit up sooner. Because I feel like wouldn't that almost go against what wrestling booking should tell you to do, which is you know put your most important shit at the end, so that then people will actually stick through the show to go see it. It's it it's a, I think it's like a tightrope to walk you want to have stuff at the beginning to Mm -hmm. draw people in but then also have stuff towards the end to keep them true yeah very true just feels like to me like the priority list of like what's i don't know it just it feels a little bit off but maybe it's just me because i feel like it should just be switched like put the kushida and walter stuff or like the pete dunn and damian priest stuff like in the middle of the card so it's still like a good match that people want to see but, like, the main storyline that people are following through NXT should be, like, closer to the end. So then I have to wait for that. But, yeah. What do I know? I'm just an asshole of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, ooh. But speaking of things that, like, I love how much NWA power, power is, like, maximizing its time. Like, it fits so much stuff within one hour. Not even an hour. It's like 50 minutes. It's also great to yeah, only that, watch an that hour. is also a nice thing. Like, it's it's kind of hard to adjust to NXT being two hours now instead of one. But, uh, yeah, with NWA Power, we got, like, Aaron Stevens debuting this week. We got, uh, let's see, one, two, three. Yeah, three matches of at least some importance because there was, like, a fourth match that was kind of meh. Yeah, like, three important mm. matches, several important promos, introducing, like, Colt Cabana and Ken Anderson as a tag team now, which I think is going to be a lot of fun to see in NWA. Yeah, I didn't, uh, totally forgot about Ken Anderson with all these different mm. companies coming out. Yeah, like, it, I, that's the other thing I think I love so much more about, like, how many wrestling TV shows are popping up, because I definitely don't have time to watch all of them, or at least definitely not all of them with, like, a lot of attention given to them, but it's so great for the talent. You know, like all the re- so many more of the wrestlers have like great places to go. Like, so for um, I don't know, like for example, like having Colt Cabana and Ken Anderson be able to come here to NWA, 
Like, I don't know if they'd be able to do nearly as well if they were going somewhere else right now. Like, yeah. I'm not <laughs> but just like in general, like it is good. Like you would agree, right? I'm sure with how many more uh, options there are for talent with between NWA, between AEW, between New Japan, between WWE, and even WWE expanding into NXT and things like that. Like if you're a wrestler, you have so many more options now than you did 10 years ago or even five years ago. Yes. Even, Even a, a year, year ago. ago. Yeah, with AEW. And yeah, I think that's that's actually kind of the maybe the the coolest side effect of AEW is that it seems to be driving everybody else even more. Yeah. I think it's like on some level, does it feel like AEW is like the proof that you can stand up to Vince so that everybody else is feeling more emboldened to do it? Not even just standing up to Vince. It's like you can do your own thing and have your own audience. It, it's AEW isn't doing, I think, anything to like try to take down Vince. It's they're just doing their own thing. Right. Exactly. I think like, I think they're you, proving that. If you that watch the thing. show, I think for a long time people have been afraid to do something because for a long time, like especially TNA was the biggest uh, example of this. People would just try to copy WWE instead of doing their own yes. thing. Yes. Like, TNA got popular because of stuff like the X Division, mm-hmm. which was different than WWE. And then once they got that recognition, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just be WWE Lite. And then that's where they lost it. And I think now people are starting to look back on, like, what ECW did and go, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you can be different. And, like, ECW was just poorly managed money-wise, yeah. I think. So that's why they fell. It wasn't because they needed, like, a bigger audience or stuff like that. Like, you can operate on a smaller mm-hmm. budget and like be reasonable with your spending and stuff like that and survive so i think that's just what AEW is showing like they're just they have the money to compete with events so to speak but they're just doing their own thing if you watch the shows they're not changing anything to try mm-hmm. to compete with nxt True. like they've they've been doing the same thing they have been for yeah. since the beginning and I, just, I think it's really cool it, it proves that the the wrestling audience you know like the wrestling universe quote-unquote us we're looking for a lot of different things in our wrestling products and you know and, and yeah. that thing is not always what wwe is offering like some people like us are especially me and you particularly really do like a more uh, sports-centered focus one where like the matches are the focus promos are still obviously happening but that the matches are the most important thing and then in promotions yeah. like AEW in new japan in nxt even to an extent compared to the main roster you get that yeah I mean, look at uh, mm-hmm. look at power. Like, you get promos yeah. and matches. Yeah, actually, like, that, that's, both that's really a good. really good point, too, because, yeah, power is, like, a totally different style with, like, how much time they devote to promos. But even then, it's, like, it's a totally different style. Like, because it feels like, um, you know, here's, here's my, this is still very early, so we'll see whether this continues to be the focus of power. But to me, it feels like, in power, the promos are all about, like, letting the character just explore what they feel and what their kind of like purpose is and what their goals are versus like in WWE mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of promos are this character is saying this line in this story and there's never really like an opportunity like yes. like we've never like I'm just going to throw out a name in the hat but like we've never had Ember Moon just like cut a promo and tell us like what is her deal like who is Ember Moon why does she want to be here 
but like NWA, yeah. it's like everybody's getting those kind of opportunities to like introduce themselves to the audience and say, "This is why I'm here. This is what I yes. want to win. This is what I want to do." And just like, right, pure, straight to the point. And I like it. it's 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 a really good amount of time too because it, it gives them the amount of time to get their point across, but it's not super meandering. Mm-hmm. And I'll be excited to see more of that because then, uh, yeah, you know, we even get like, you know, two accentuate too and say that like storyline stuff does happen in those promos too because like there was an example this week like james storms comes out and he was basically doing what i said before he's saying like this is who i am this is what i want i'm a badass outlaw and i've got this national title but i want the world title and you know this thing the fact that i have the national title basically proves that i should be front in line so he cuts that whole promo and then eli drake comes out and was like hey i agree with you 100 percent that title means that you should be first in line for that title. So you go for it. You take your shot. But just remember when you get that title eventually someday or whatever, that I was there trying to help you and trying to push you along so that, you know, kind of insinuating that if you get the title, then maybe I could get the title match down the line kind of a thing. So we're working in story stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's not overly ham fisted. And it's a nice introduction also for the Eli Drake's character of being this sort of scheming guy. Mm-hmm. So it's it's excellent stuff. I think, yeah, the power is, like you said, it's doing a really good job of managing a smaller show. And it proves that you don't have to have a giant you know, budget or a giant uh, studio that you're doing this thing in. If you take the show that you're doing and you do it really well, then you can get a good product. Yeah. And they're, they're a perfect example. Of, they, they have a very low budget. Mm-hmm. And that, that's part of their charm, too, is, like, they're kind of going for that old-school, smaller-budget feel. Mm-hmm. So, it, it I, it's kind of like a nice, like, uh, get-out-of-jail-free card every once in a while for, like, when one or two things look low-budget. It's like, well, it's supposed to look that way. <laughs> so, so whatever. You know, who yeah. cares if our transition screens are just really basic editing things with very, like, blasé music? It doesn't need to be anything fancy. It doesn't need to be anything that's fancy. That's what we can afford. And it's the look they're going for. <laughs> Yeah, because they're doing that like '80s callback kind of feel. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool. I fucking like it. Yeah, and then they're explaining on some of their other stories, like long-term storylines of like why Nick Aldis got a manager as an insurance policy, and it all relates back to when Cody Rhodes stole the title from him, who he calls an inferior wrestler. So I I like where they're building with things, and I'd be curious to see too if maybe um. You know, because NWA, they, they did the title match on that AEW show a long time ago. Who knows? Maybe uh, NWA would have more dealings with AEW or someone else in the future. Yeah. Because I think that would be cool to see the NWA title, like, be a traveling title also. Like, even though this is still, like, its primary show, that would still really be cool to have that as part of its feel still. Is that he goes around and fights mm-hmm. champions of other promotions and stuff. Yeah, and I, I think it would just mm-hmm. help everyone in general. Indeed, it would help everyone in general. Uh, unlike, oh my gosh, can we talk about the the Hell in a Cell fallout, which has now been extended to Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt eternally feuding, even though they're on opposite brands, and they still have scheduled matches against each other, even though they're on opposite brands? <laughs> yep, and... Remember this one. Yeah. Can't so be for for, uh, for all you people who thought you know, 
no disqualification should mean that you can't stop the match for any sort of random reason. Of course, we're proven wrong at Hell in a Cell with the <laughs> shit-ass match they put on. But now, guess what, people? That problem will now be solved. At Crown Jewel, they have advertised Seth Rollins versus The Fiend Bray Wyatt in a Universal Championship Falls Count Anywhere quote, can't be stopped for any reason, unquote, match. Even a pinfall. Even a or pinfall. submission. Like, I don't think they thought about the wording of this at all, Joe. Like, I'm sure they, you know, just mean for this to be, uh, well, we're fixing our mistake last time where a no DQ somehow ended in a DQ. But we're going to now say that this match can't stop. But then that means, can it end? It can't no. be stopped for any reason. So, uh... How do they book themselves out of this one? Does do one of them just die? Like, yeah, does Bray Wyatt just happened. kill Seth Rollins? Like medical, medical ending. Hey, I but guess? like, I mean, it can't be stopped for any reason, Joe. Any reason? Maybe it's like this is WWE's very controversial new strategy. They're just gonna have one match play out forever because they, you know, what? they're finally listening to the audience, yeah. Joe. Remember when people have been chanting "Fight Forever." Well, here you go. They're going <laughs> to fight forever. This is yeah, what you guys wanted, like, right? Uh, oh, shit. Who was the person who was, like, never eliminated from the Royal Rumble? Who was, like, still in it weeks later, technically? Was that was that Curtis Axel? Yeah. It's oh, like wasn't Curtis, that Axel Curtis Axel in the Royal Rumble. This match will just never actually end either. <laughs> there was a counter for a while, like, counting how long he had been in the Royal Rumble. Oh, my God. I'm guessing, did they did they keep it, like, all year to, like, the next year? And then when he got eliminated that year, then it's like, all right, he's finally out of both Royal Rumbles? <laughs> or, or would he have to get eliminated twice? Like, would he have to come in, get eliminated once, and that counts for last year, and then come in again, get eliminated, and now it counts for this year? I don't know. But uh, somehow, I guess this match will have to end. But uh, I don't I don't know how they do it. Yeah, they just stay That's, over in Saudi Arabia. They're just forever. actually picking up headquarters and just going to Saudi Arabia now. I mean, from a financial perspective, I wouldn't blame them. Like they're making a shitload of money putting on money over there, so or putting on matches over there. So yeah, yeah, maybe that's just their new business strategy. It's like you know what, AEW, you can have America. We're just gonna go wrestle in Saudi. <laughs> which means we don't need our women's division anymore so we're gonna fire all of them women's division they're all just gone but oh my gosh so speaking of gone this is a little bit of transition but with Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt not only was the Hell in a Cell match horribly mismanaged but then this week they do this weird segment where Seth Rollins goes and burns down the Firefly Funhouse amidst a chorus of boos and Bray Wyatt pleading him to please not do it. It's like, are WWE trying to just destroy all of the goodwill that Seth Rollins has with the audience and like make it so they have to turn him heel? I think pretty much. Yeah, I mean, like he, he burned, burned down, down a guy's, a guy's house. house. He was pleading for him to please not. And like immediately beforehand, he like stormed in there and beat the shit out of him and all of his friends. Like, <laughs> 
I don't know. And it's the exact yeah, same that storyline. Yeah, that's that the most hilarious thing. <laughs> that's like the same fucking storyline with Brent. Well, actually, you know what? Shit. So then if it's going to be the same storyline as Randy Orton, then I guess what will have to happen, right, is that Bray Wyatt will win the title now, but then they'll have a rematch at WrestleMania, and Seth Rollins will come out with like some sort of like sperm graphic on the ground. <laughs> Uh, he'll be like the sperm oh, yeah. slayer, oh, maybe. God. I don't know. <laughs> and then he'll uh, beat Bray Wyatt, end his title reign to make it completely pointless, and move on. Oh, but Bray Wyatt will have yep. to do like a weird spooky graphic in the middle of the match, too. Like, uh, what, what was it? Worms? That they did in the Randy Orton match? Like, I'm trying to remember what it was. Because didn't they have like an image? <laughs> yeah, they have like worms and insects and bugs. Yes, like, just all... have to do uh, maybe like clowns or something because he's got the weird demon clown mask now I'd... or like pictures of all the firefly funhouse friends that seth rollins killed like maybe pictures of them <laughs> yeah rest in peace rambling rabbits oh god yeah it's a it's a travesty and then you yeah, of course also crown jewel we got the Braun versus tyson fury match which is like you know pretty predictable Obviously, Tyson Fury is just going to beat him and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my question to you, at least as far as Tyson Fury is involved, is do you think, was this just like the Saudi crown prince was just like, hey, I want Tyson Fury in a match, so please get him, and then they orchestrated this? Or is this like, do they have plans for Tyson Fury for another match at some point, do you think? Like a WrestleMania match? I think, like, so yeah, Saudi Arabia already brings over, mm-hmm. like they bring over the UFC and stuff too. So, I think it was just like, oh, yeah, boxing and UFC have been over there. So, we'll get these guys. Like, I think they were already in talk. I think, like, Tyson Fury was already mm-hmm. talking to WWE before this. And so, then they were like, hey, perfect timing. Let's do it here. That makes sense. Yeah, especially for a big old payday like that, you know? Why not? And actually, yep. you know, too, like, as I was looking at, like, the two guys side by side, normally I hate these kind of matches where it's like you know a non-wrestler comes in and then just like beats the shit out of a wrestler to make them all look bad but like at least in this case like Tyson Fury is like pretty much the same size as Braun yeah he's a big ass guy too so him beating Braun is like pretty feasible yeah and he's I mean he's a boxer too it's not like he's some right celebrity (laughs) rapper or something like that like yeah exactly so it's somebody with some credibility Uh, oh yeah, Phil, you went on or Phil the people in because we already talked about it before. But King of Pro Wrestling happened over in New Japan, so uh, basically Ah, check out every get past the opening tag (laughs) matches unless you really care about them. But all the other matches, people should definitely go and watch. Uh, Yeah, yes, great ending. That blew my fucking mind. I was having to hold back a little bit of tears, where you know Liger was defeated there, and then Suzuki. (laughs) So, even in the finish of the match, too, because, like, Suzuki always goes for his, like, uh, try to get you in the gosh-style pile driver. And at the end of this, when he finally Mm -hmm. had worn down Liger enough, like, he picked him up real, real slow. And he locked that thing in real tight. And he drove him down to the mat with with purpose. Like, you are dead. Pinned him. Yeah. It was over. It was beautiful. And then, 
goes and grabs the chair. Of course, it looked like he's going to do the Suzuki thing and just be an asshole. But then, no. Then he throws the chair down and then fucking bows to Suzuki in honor of him. And this is another really great moment where mm-hmm. I think uh, Chris Charlton did a great job really explaining why he did this. And and then also, to uh, just to jump forward a second afterwards, so he leaves. Uh, Liger ends up then also thanking Suzuki. And this is like, before this, they were like, literally even had said, mm-hmm. we are going to kill each other. This is how this ends. But then, no, how it ends is that they bow and thank each other. And what happened was, you know, Chris Charlton's uh, explaining that Suzuki wanted to fight Liger at his very best. So that was why he drove him as much as he did over the weeks and months leading up to this, was to try and crack him, to try and get out the best that Liger had. And that's what led to the unleashing of Kishin Liger. And then Liger, thanking Suzuki on the opposite end, is in a continuation of that, of thanking him for bringing out that side in him that had been dormant for so long these last couple of years as he's getting towards retirement and further proving that even in his very best efforts now, you know, trying to summon all that strength that he has left, he's not good enough, which is proof that he should be retiring. So then thanking Minoru Suzuki for showing him mm-hmm. one last time, like, what it is to really wrestle. And it's like, fuck, that's wrestling. Yeah, logical. Oh, so good. <laughs> so I would urge people to go watch that. Uh, and then we also have a new yes, United the States new U.S. title. Uh, thanks to uh, Typhoon Hegibis for delaying Moxley's ability to arrive at the show. So then instead of it being uh, U- uh, Moxley defending, it was vacant title. Juice Robinson versus Lance Archer. Hell of a match. And a really great opportunity. I'm, I'll be excited to see how well Lance Archer runs with this opportunity. Um, and we, we kind of talked about this, debated about like how long they might have had this idea in the books. But uh, I think I think you're kind of right. I think that they were impressed with what they've seen with Archer lately. Especially, uh, he had a good run in the G1, and they've been wanting to reward him. And this was the opportunity to do so. So I'll be excited to see where he goes with the U.S. US title because he's quite a monster at this point. Like they've been building him. So whoever eventually gets that title, whether it be Juice yeah. or whether it be somebody else, because uh, it looks like David Finley will be challenging first, probably. Um, but. I'm, at, I'm kind of anticipating and secretly hoping for maybe like a three-way at Wrestle Kingdom, like Lance Archer defense against Juice and Moxley. So we'll see what we get, but yeah, hell of a match. And a really well-booked match too. Like I won't say too much about it, but it was well done. Uh, then we also had Ibushi retaining the yeah. briefcase against Evil, Okada retaining the title against Sonata, putting down the big LIJ challengers, and now we have night one main event set unless somebody gets injured or whatever before then, this is the match. It's Okada versus Ibushi on night one for the uh, heavyweight title. Yeah, I, I'm really excited awesome. to see how this all unfolds, especially with the, the double championship storyline. Um, and so this is... I'll be interested to see what you think about this. So Ibushi had talked about why for him it's important to win both titles, and it's because he said the titles represent different things. So for him, he says the IWGP Heavyweight Championship represents that you are the strongest wrestler. However, that the Intercontinental Championship mm. says that you are the best wrestler. And I've been kind of trying to think about mm. like what that distinction means. So what what the Intercontinental title used yeah. to be for 
WWE. And it's, uh, I, it's, it's very interesting. I like that. I like that the titles actually mean something different, or at least that that's one way to express that difference. And yeah. what it would mean then to, of course, have both of them at the same time, what that double crown would mean. So we got both of those guys in the mix. We got Naito still, I think, struggling to try and get into the mix because he's got a match against um, Taichi at the next uh, major New Japan show. And he's got no title right now because mm-hmm. Jay White's got the Intercontinental title. So I don't know how. Maybe he'll challenge for uh, Jay White's title back at Wrestle Kingdom to get revenge. Because unless mm-hmm. that, I don't know how he's going to get in. And if I feel like if Naito's not in the double championship storyline, it's a mistake. Because it's it's his story, in my opinion. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with that. And then uh, the Junior Tag League has been starting up. That's been good so far, but it's still very early on, so not much to say yet, other than just good matches have happened. Oh, although... <laughs> One in particular that I will say was uh, an absolute joy to watch is when you have two heel teams against each other. In particular, they had, uh, I think it was just the other week or the other night, uh, it was Suzuki Goon, El Desperado, and Kanemaru, Yoshinobu Kanemaru versus uh, Bullet Club, El Phantasmo, and Taiji Ishimori. So it's like everybody is trying to get up the shenanigans, but everybody also knows how to counter those shenanigans. So it's just like an insane amount of like, I'm trying to cheat, but then you counter my cheating, but then I'm counting your cheating with other cheating. Like, it's a lot of fun. I kind of love, that's like my dirty little like extra secret. I love heel versus heel matches. Like, I know that this wouldn't work well for like most people, but if I were just going to be the Vince McMahon kind of person and only book for myself, then I would be very tempted to make like just an all heel wrestling league. Like there are no baby faces. Everybody is a heel. <laughs> I would love that. Just everybody backstabbing everybody all the time. <laughs> no good guys. Or maybe there would be one no one guys. baby face, but he's the ultimate loser. Like, he's just the jobber who always gets his ass kicked. <laughs> yep. He, he just never sees through the, the deception heels. and always loses. <laughs> yep. Oh, or then maybe he would have to become the referee. <laughs> Or maybe he would also be the referee. <laughs> there you go. The referee is the only baby face. Uh, well, I think that'll pretty that pretty much covers all the things that have happened since last we had recorded. Yep. Alright, and we will be back next week to talk all the this week's wrestling. I don't think we have any pay-per-views coming up not for another yeah let me let me check and see when the next pay-per-views are coming because we got um yeah crown jewel Crown first full gear is on the 9th um power struggle for new japan is like in november i'll have to look up the date but it's sometime in november uh yeah i guess there's nothing else in october other than crown jewel yep all right, so we'll preview that next week and then review it yeah. the week after. Yeah, that's good shit. Yeah, we'll do the predictions for it and then, uh, oh man, that's going to be exciting. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to have no <laughs> idea how it's going to go down. Because I'm, I'm starting to get like so disconnected from WWE storylines that like I'm having more trouble reading Vince's brain. <laughs> so it's harder to figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> but that's all right. 
Thank you all, all right. for listening. We'll catch you all next time. All right. Have a good week, everyone. See you next week.